Welcome back to the Third Line Grinders podcast. I am your host, Nicholas A. Gendro, and I am joined by Cameron Piss. Oh, I'm, I'm so, so happy that we're finally back to the English accents, Nick. We, we went back to it. <laughs> it has been... Only because the first round ended. <laughs> it's probably been a fortnight since the last time we've heard it. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never okay. heard... I've never heard Fortnite being used in a sentence other than the stupid video game. <laughs> Not gonna lie. You know, that's sad, though, that most people in the English language probably associate that word with a video game and not with its actual meaning. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> yep. Anyway, Cam, what's going on, man? Not too much. Sipping my Irish whiskey and lemonade, just coping with the loss of one playoff team and the stress of a series coming up for another playoff team. Nick, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Enjoying a uh, Foam Brewers uh, double IPA from Vermont that a guy that delivered some beer to our warehouse today left for us. So he was like, mm, well, oh, yeah, those oh, things are really good. No, they have good stuff. Uh, I've never even heard of them, so it is oh, yeah. very good so far. Uh, and that was the voice of Sonic Veradian, who just got back from California Love. What's going on, Sonic? How was your uh, trip? Nothing much. It was good. Uh, too short, but it was very nice to be away from the East Coast for a little bit, so I'm happy. But I'm glad to be back. Always good to be away from the East Coast, even though the East Coast of us, I don't know, week has been absolutely beautiful. The weather's been un- on point, unreal, of course. This weekend being Memorial Day weekend, of course, the weather's going to turn to shit for the next uh, couple days. But, hey, it is what it is. At least we have tons of playoff hockey to not only watch but to talk to. So much has gone on in the last week, including some eliminations, forcing game sevens, a sweep that nobody saw coming. is certainly not us. Nope. <laughs> uh, some tough injuries and... A lot of other great stuff that we're going to bring you, but obviously, guys, if you've listened to this podcast, you know this podcast, you know the teams that we like and we root for, and you know that this week is going to be very Caps, Bruins heavy. Also, we're going to get you ready for Caps, Islanders, or Bruins, Islanders. Jesus Christ. Go back to my prediction, Nick. Yeah, maybe if you (laughs) predicted right. Um, And if I predicted right, then I probably wouldn't be here right now. I'd be very upset. Uh, Anyway, uh, we are going to preview for the Bruins and Islanders series. That's going to be kicking off in a full TD Garden capacity on Saturday Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Scares me. (laughs) With the same day that Massachusetts lifts their... um, their mask mask mandate their mask mandate too so saturday in boston's going to be pretty fucking crazy but before we get too far ahead of ourselves why don't we start with the sweep of the edmonton oilers okay throwing the audience change up i like it let's just get it out of the way now yeah (laughs) because i don't i didn't see it coming cam i don't think you saw it coming Sonic, you probably Definitely had the Sonic, you probably had the Oilers sweeping the Jets. I know. I was like, "Come on, boys." <laughs> nope. I mean, it's on. It, you go back and you look at it. 
I remember like getting the update for game one, you know, Jets win, whatever. And I'm like, well, I'm not really surprised. You know, a lot of pressure on Edmonton, or not a lot, but some pressure on Edmonton to, you know, Connor McDavid scores 100 points in a 56 game season. Leon Dreisaitl has played unreal. Mike Smith's been really good. Uh, their defense has been, you know, pretty good for the most part. And Winnipeg was reeling, like I was, like I said last week, going into the going into the series. So I'm like, it's a cakewalk for Edmonton. Sonic, let's start with you, just because you seem to really be able to stay up for these late West Coast yeah. games and Western Canada games. What what went wrong for the Edmonton Oilers? So much went wrong. No defense, no offense. I feel like they were just all over the place this whole entire series. And Winnipeg was just very upfront, strong, passing the puck. They were just outstanding. And I was just like, is this really happening? Like, what the fuck? And like you said, game one, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's just, you know, it's just one game. They'll come back. Game two. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. What's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, I was kind of like, by game three, I was like, oh, it's over. There, There's no way. And then I was just like, I feel bad for Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Like, those two guys, it's just like, they need to be traded to another team so they can actually make a Stanley Cup final. Like, they're never going to do it if they stay with Edmonton Oilers. And what? what? You... Oh, no, I totally, I, I, I'm Well, sh- Cam is, like, shaking his head, like, blown away. Like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, because, oh, yeah, go ahead, Cam, explain yourself. Listen, I, I just disagree with the statement that they need to be traded to win Stanley Cups. I think that the solution within the Edmonton organization to fix the very glaring issues at the end of the series is not to move on from your big pieces. The big pieces for the most part are the reason they even were where they were. And I think one of the big solutions for starters is to separate Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to try to hopefully increase some depth scoring and just put more pieces around them to complement them. Because just, it, if you take you, those but... players away, they really don't have anybody who is anywhere close to their caliber. And I'm not saying that there are many players in the NHL who are close to the caliber of Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl who they could pick up or even afford if that was the case. But sorry, Zach Cassian isn't going to do it. And Zach Cassian, he's a decent player, but it's just you need more pieces who are young, skilled players, preferably in my opinion, who can complement that talent? Zach Cassian tied for third on the team in uh, points during the playoffs, just saying. Uh, only because he's playing with, uh, I believe he's playing with RNH, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and probably Pulley RV or something like that. Um, Kim, I totally agree. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't even think about that, like breaking up McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, but both of them rocked a minus two for this series. Uh, Joyce Seidel led the way with two goals, three assists, five points. McDavid only one goal, three assists for four points. Um, two of the five points for Joyce Seidel on the power play, one power play point for McDavid. And Joyce Seidel shot the puck 24 times. McDavid shot it only 15 times. So my biggest thing, and I think I think it's been an, a, lo- a long-standing issue since I don't even know when, is the Oilers haven't had a, a, a significant goaltender or a goaltender of any sort of caliber. And I, and again, I don't know how long it's like, I, I wish I could pull it up right now without fumble fucking all my words and like having to stutter and look <laughs> around. 
the Oilers haven't had a good goaltender in so long, and I think that just goes such a long way. Like, and and um, their GM, I'm blanking on his name, came out and said that Mike Smith played great for us. He was not the problem. And Mike Smith, he did play pretty good, but he's also 41 years old. You're telling me you can't find a young goaltender in the draft or, you know, an upcoming free agent? You can't go out and make a trade for for a goaltender with all the supposed youth and depth that you have on your back end to go get somebody that's going to complement this roster. But Cam, I agree with you. I mean, maybe it, it it's one of the greatest duos that you're going to see in the NHL, obviously. Dreisaitl and McDavid and their chemistry is just off the charts. But, I mean, you're telling me R&H, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins can't play on a line with, um, with Cassian and, and Dreisaitl? Right. It's totally possible, but then I think their whole thing is, their whole coaching philosophy is probably, well, if we split them up, they're easier to shut down. When the both of them are on the ice at the same time, they're always going to have each other, they know where each other are, and one, te- and one team can't shut them both down for the whole game at least. So what do you do? They have really good good defensemen on that back end, Adam Larson, Ethan Bear. Um, Darnell Nurse and Darnell Nurse, I think he pl- Nurse played like I, I forget I forget what it said. I think it was like four minutes and twenty four straight. Yeah, like he's, he's been on the twenty four seconds. Yeah, like straight. Like, dude, people don't even play that in men's league, and there's like <laughs> and like that shit doesn't stop, and that's slow as hell, and all that shit. Like that's insane. So. It's not like Edmonton didn't try. It's just that Winnipeg showed up and was just a much better team. It showed it showed that they're a more experienced team, that's for sure, after being in the playoffs the last handful of years. Connor Hellebuck looked a lot better than he did in the regular season. And I felt like because they were because Winnipeg was able to come into Edmonton and get the first win on the road, but especially win both games on the road in Edmonton. Granted, no fans, but still, in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's building, that just gave them so much momentum going into the rest of the into the rest of the series. Uh, yeah, sure. Obviously, it took a triple overtime game winner uh, by Nikolai Ehlers to to send him off packing, but it was still a hell of a game. I believe it ended five to four. That triple that triple overtime game winner, and I just remember waking up and like checking my phone, and I get a notification from. You know, Bleacher Report or ESPN, whatever it was, saying uh, Winnipeg wins it in triple overtime. Connor McDavid, like, and and Oilers eliminated from the playoffs. And I, I immediately thought to myself, that is such a bad look for the NHL. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. it is like the last thing you want to see is your superstar, the face of your league, get get not only eliminated in the first round but swept in the first right. round. Yeah. After that, having an unreal career year. Yeah, that was my first thought when I saw it. I mean, actually, my first thought was, ha, 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 funny. But my second thought was, this is horrible <laughs> for the NHL. <laughs> Nick, you know, I it's almost a made you do a spit take. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a terrible look, Cam. It really is. Because what more can you do? You can't market this guy enough. I'm sure he's all over Canada but like in the in a in like the US like he's he's not as marketed as much obviously but everybody knows who he is because he's the most skilled powerful 
best player in the NHL. And his team and and if you're just like a, a fan of Connor McDavid's and you sit there and you watch his team get swept, you're like, What? What is wrong with this league? Why is he in why is he on this team? Why isn't he getting out of there? And it's because he signed a monster deal with them and Winnipeg will never uh, Edmonton will never trade him unless they are gonna get something equivalent to a Connor McDavid back. Yeah, which they won't. And we all know how that organization and its ownership and general managers and whatnot were traded back when they traded the greatest hockey player who ever played the game. <laughs> Literal death threats sent to the general manager. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Can you, so, okay. So I guess that goes back to, to answering your question, Sonic about trading him. What Cam just said, they can't make that same mistake twice. <laughs> they can't trade true. the That's best, true. the best of probably our generation and the best ever, they can't yeah. they can't trade somebody of that caliber twice. I, I just feel so bad for him. Like, I don't know if you guys watched the press conference after. No, but he's enlightening us. He, his face was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I cannot believe my, it's over. Well, like, the, he was so sad. He, like, barely spoke. And, like, I just, I just felt so bad. <laughs> the body language of that, Oilers team spoke volumes throughout those last oh, two yeah. games in Edmonton oh, specifically. Yeah. And I don't know that I totally believe in playoff momentum the way a lot of people do. In-game momentum, absolutely game-to-game -game momentum. It's I don't know if it's as much a thing as you get in the regular season. Anything can happen in the playoffs. But, I mean, you go back to game three. I believe it was um, Archibald, uh, Josh, Ar Josh Archibald, who took that lame, awful dim-witted penalty when the oh, Oilers yes. were up four to one that led to the uh, comeback win in overtime five to four for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, you look at Connor McDavid's face through a lot of those uh, replays and whatnot, because of course the cameras are always going to find him in those instances and, and his body language spoke volumes. And, and even in game four, when the Oilers tied the or Oilers, uh, Winnipeg tied the game, I think it was three, three on the, the, who who scored the third goal? All I remember is that it made me go nuts. Oh, Shifley. Shifley. It was Mark Shifley. Yes, thank you, Nick. And uh, Connor Connor scored it in OT. Yes, that's right. Um, and, and like it, they put it right on Connor McDavid on the bench, and he's just shaking his head like I cannot believe this. Can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's crazy, and but I think it just goes it goes to show you that. If you're going to commit all that money to two top-end guys, you better find a way to find guys to either take team-friendly deals or you really got to have a successful draft and successful free agent uh, free agent market or a trade market in order to complement that. But there's one thing we just don't want to glance over before we move on from the series is what Ethan Bear had to deal with uh, following, obviously, the sweep. Uh, Ethan Bear, he's he's an indigenous. Um, am I saying that correctly? He's yes. from an indigenous descent, so he's basically Native American. Um, so the NHL released a statement saying Ethan Bear represents both our game and his indigenous heritage with dignity and pride. He and all people from indigenous backgrounds deserve to feel empowered and respected on and off the ice. We stand with Ethan and his family in denouncing hate. So following the game, a lot of people um, were all up in his dms and his girlfriend's dms on instagram basically you know saying racist things to him when ethan bear is 23 years old came from like literally nothing to make it to the nhl yeah 
and is playing out the highest level ever. And everybody amongst amongst the league respects him like even more just because of that, not only for his skill, but what he re- what he represents, representing the indigenous, you know, heritage and culture and everything else. And just, I mean, it's 2021 people like, do you really have to be that big of a fucking scumbag? And, and let alone like, I think his, his girlfriend put it up on her story. Like you don't even have like the character to come and say to his face. You have to hide behind your phone and say all these things. It's like, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable that we still deal with this shit every day, every single day in, in this country and across the world. It's, it's sad. Didn't he like come out and say something on social media? He, like, yeah, he did. Video. Yeah. 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 And if you haven't seen it, check it out. I mean, it's everywhere. It's like a two and a half minute video, basically of Ethan Bear just coming out saying that, you know, you guys can say whatever you want about me, but I know where I'm from and I represent who I am, you know, very well. And by playing this game at the highest level possible and, I owe my entire life to my background and you know, it's just, it's, it's just crazy that we still got to deal with that, with that kind of shit. It's like, you know, that's what, that's what makes me hate social media even more. You know? Yep. Pretty much. But anyway, let's move on from that. So, uh, the winner, obviously Winnipeg jets, the Winnipeg jets are awaiting the winner of the, uh, Toronto and Montreal series, which we will get to a little bit later on, but, Let's maybe circle back to uh, the biggest series that we all had our eyes on, which was the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals. The Bruins ended up coming away with a uh, rather, I'm not going to call it easy, but a rather... Uh, you can call it what it is. I, I don't think it was easy, though, but whatever. It was a gentleman's sweep, to say the least. I'll give it to the adjective before it because I don't know what I was trying to get at. Um, a gentleman's sweep, the Bruins win uh, in five games. Uh including four in a row, uh, one of them being on the road, two uh, or two of them being on the road, two of them at home. Cam, where do you begin when assessing this series? Um, that's the thing. I have no effing clue where to begin. First of all, I will say huge props to the Boston Bruins for stepping up the way that they did after game one. Because, and we talked about game two, so I won't beat a dead horse there. But I mean, we talked about with game one how they had to step up and they had to answer the physicality. They had to answer for Washington's speed to every loose puck, and they did. And I'll tell you one thing I mean, you guys might shake your head at this. I had emotionally accepted after game three that Washington was going to lose that series. After game three of the series, I knew it was, it was over. Is that just because of? The way it ended in overtime with, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on Sam Sonov and Schultz with yeah. Samson- <laughs> with Samsonov and you know miscommunication with Schultz that led to the Craig. Like, was that just like the moment where you're like, you know what, that just showed me right then and there this team's not ready to win the series, or what was it a culmination of things? It was a common. It, it was a combination of things, and that was a big part of it. But the the glaring part of it to me was the way that the team deteriorated, like the team deteriorated mentally after that moment. Uh, obviously we can look at Ovechkin yelling at Samsonov in Russian. Don't which, sleep, bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I will Don't say. Don't go to sleep, bitch. Mother Russia here to kill you. I have Putin <laughs> in your hotel room next door. I kill you. 
<laughs> this is why they hate us. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will yeah, say I don't sleep in Samsonov. There's only one Samsonov good in the league, and that's Sergey, and he's Russian too. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I don't have like a wildly big issue with Ovechkin yelling at Samsonov the way they did, so long as he gave it to everybody else as well after the fact, which we don't know. Uh, but it is a really bad look for him and a bad look for the team. But, I mean, it was that. It was the fact that I could tell, and I think a lot of people could tell as well, you guys will probably concur, that a lot of Washington players looked like they were playing injured. We knew that there were multiple Washington players who coming into the series had been injured. The glaring one to me is Carlson. Uh, I think Ovechkin was battling something, and I think he wanted people to know that he was battling something uh, after those first couple of games. And honestly, Oshi too. Oshi, yeah, yeah. Oshi definitely. But I still think Oshi played relatively good hockey for the most part. Um, and then after Game Three, it just seemed like they kind of were like, "Eh, we're good." They, the top two lines, anyway. Nick Dowd, Garnet Hathaway, good on you guys because you guys really looked like you wanted to win that series. So Garnet, good on them. Garnet Hathaway, Garnet Hathaway, and Dmitry Orlov were the. Were the best players yeah. on Washington. Yeah, sure. yeah Dmitry Orlov as well. Uh, yeah. What did you... So, okay, before we even get to that. Um, so, yeah, game three, another overtime another overtime game, and we, we were going into game four, you know, saying, all right, well, it's already, there's already been three straight games with overtime. Is it going to another one? And I believe we all kind of agreed. Yep. Yeah. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, one team is like, there, there's going to be one game where one team just opens it up. And I didn't think it was going to be Boston. I thought Washington was, because Washington always seems to play good on, on Boston ice, especially during the regular season and even during the playoffs, which if you remember when Joel Ward scored that overtime goal, however many years ago that was now, but Not. they own Boston on, on away okay. ice. So but, Kim, the thing that I noticed was that John Carlson, like, shot the puck, I think. I forget what the final number was, but he did not shoot the puck enough. Um, so Daniel Chard literally factored into, like, basically nothing. I think Peter Laviolette was hiding him from the Bergeron line. Yes. Uh, just listening, obviously, to the radio and the coverage and everything. I think... When Bergeron was on the ice in one of the games, Chara was on the ice for a total of 16 seconds, which is absurd, which is absurd, which means that he got on, the Bruins made a line change, Bergeron got on, and Peter Laviolette had to wait for the puck to get out of out of the defensive zone to call Chara off. Which cause that tells me right there that Laviolette knew that the Bruins know what his weaknesses are. Now, don't get me wrong. If if Chris Wagner or Curtis Lazar or you know Nick Ritchie was coming down Chara's side, Char handled him perfectly the way that he always has and the way that he always would. Right. It's just they, our veteran players that know him in inside and out. Right. And and it's the skill players too, Sonic. It's yeah. Brad Marchand, David Pasternak. I mean, but hey, don't get me wrong, Char was not afraid to play physical, and that's what I loved about it, was he still played his game. But 
I think it just seemed to be, to me, Cam, it seemed to be like the will of the team. And I, and I don't know if, like you were saying, like if after game three, you felt that that was it, that they're done. I don't know if it was just they stopped caring, but it was like in game four when the Bruins go up 2 nothing, it was like, uh, here we go. All right, well, they're up 2 nothing at home. Like, oh, might as well pack it in. We'll just head back to Washington and see what we can do and try and force a game six. But on the other end of that, Washington should have been up like 3-0. There were multiple chances. Other, th- other than game three in that overtime, like Boston dominated both overtimes. I think they think they outshot them like 18 to four or something like that. Yep. Um, other than that, I thought, I thought Washington outplayed Boston in, in every single game, at least at one point or another. And it's just the fact that I think Tuka Rass played really good. I think the Bruins defenseman, as much as I bitched, you know, in game one and game two, how they couldn't block any fucking shots and they were all getting deflected. I think they cleaned that up once they got back to Boston. And I just think the, the Bruins third and fourth line was enough depth to allow Washington to say, Oh shit. They actually have four lines rolling and they got mismatched at times. And you saw that with Taylor Hall's goal in game three, which is a fucking beauty. Yep. Um, you know, Marshawn and Marshawn, you know, staying hot as he always is. But honestly, I, I expected a better fight. And obviously I, I picked Washington in six, I believe. You so did. I was wrong there and I'm glad I was wrong there, but Dad I just expected. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, I expected I expected a better fight and I think too Cam ultimately it came down to the goaltending and it's tough cuz Samsonov played great in game 3. I re- he really did in that overtime and in, in the overtime and everything when when Boston was was hemming Washington in the zone that whole time and then all it takes is that one mental mistake and there you go that ends the game but I was just very surprised that they went to him just because I didn't think Craig Anderson played all that bad. But I guess the way Laviolette probably looked at it is, well, we have this young kid here, rookie year, probably less pressure for him, tied up 1-1, see if you can steal one here on the road. And, you know, I don't know. But, right. Sony, what did, you, what did you make of the whole series before we get over back to Cam? Uh, I mean, I kind of agree with all you guys, but I actually watched game four and five in California. And with the time difference and everything, I was actually sitting at a bar watching game four and like yelling at the TV because I was so excited. Uh, (laughs) It was just like one of those like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. But I mean, like like we talked about game one and game two before, but after game three, I kind of like had the same feeling as you, Cam. I was just like, Washington doesn't look like that strong right now. I don't know what's going on with them. And um, I just feel like, I don't want to say dominate. Like, we didn't really, like, dominate. But in the end, no, I just Washington think, dominated the play. That's what I'm think, saying. For the most that's part. what I'm saying. But it's just, it's it was shocking to me how they didn't score that many goals when they should have. Um, Like, I agree with both of you saying, like, 
Washington dominated portions of games. There's no doubt about that. And going back to what I said about the me just completely giving up any faith in them after game three, maybe it's because I watched just about every game they played this year and and kind of just know them better. I think I just picked up on certain quirks of the way they played in those few games of like, oh, this isn't going to go the way they want it to. And then it got me thinking, do they want anything at all? Like, I think the actual motivation of the team was just not there. I think that's a huge part of it. And I hate to ever question the drive of an entire team, especially one that I love. But like I said, I, I had no stakes in this series. And I'm also glad that it's fucking over. Uh, going into game five, I was just like, Bruins, just fucking close it out. There's no reason for this to go on any longer. Um, relax a little. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and going back to what you said, Nick, about... Uh, you know, Samsonov over Anderson. I think the glaring thing with Anderson was just his rebound control. I think that's got to be the sole reason he didn't start uh, once Samsonov was declared healthy. And I thought Samsonov, other than obviously a couple of moments here and there, I thought he was really good, especially in games three so and too. four. I think so too, I yeah. I think so too, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's got to give you some hope that, hey, you know what, maybe we finally found a goaltender that's not named Olaf Kolzig or uh, Braden Holpe. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because it was a bit of a revolving door for a few years there, and then the Holpe came in, and that was great. But um, I do want to touch on the, a little bit more on the Capitals before we move on to the next series, because I know we, we got to move on to that. Um, the power play for the Capitals was pitiful. It annoyed the shit out of me. Let's just, hey, let's. I think I texted you guys in the chat. Like, let's just keep passing it to Ovechkin repeatedly despite basically being stacked up on every single time he shoots the puck it was probably in the single digits the amount of times that he actually got one of those one-timers on net in the entire series a broken stick yeah oh yeah (laughs) um and to go to john carlson in uh five games obviously five games only took the only took the puck to the net eight times that's it and again, I think he was playing injured. I think that's probably part of it. But we all know how lethal that shot is right from downtown at the top of the, the zone there. And, and it's just, I think the Capitals do need to question their coaching a little bit, especially uh, his name, whom I'm forgetting right now, Blaine Forsyth, who is uh, in charge of their power play. I think it's time to really look at him a little bit because that power play just wasn't it, boys. Wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think Boston just did a great job of just trying to of trying to eliminate that Ovechkin one timer, and I think they obviously knew that from playing playing them eight times this year and just playing with them over the years. They know that Ovechkin's going to set up in that office, and if the puck comes to him eight times out of ten, he's shooting it, and if not, he's passing it back door to to Oshie. You know what I mean? So, yep. um, another guy that was rather quiet too is Nick Backstrom. Didn't notice much out of him either. Uh, I don't know if he was battling anything. And then obviously Kuznetsov, who came back from the COVID protocol list, and he did nothing. And Cam, I wanted to ask you before we moved on too, was, um, you know, there was a a question, I think, I think it was to the GM basically asking, you know, Kuznetsov, um, you know, tough year for him between, you know, a couple COVID bouts and, stuff like that and you know he's kind of been up and down he's been hot and cold you know over the last couple of years 
is it are you guys open to trading him and he said well if the deal is right and it's going to make our team better we're open to trading anybody so yeah i mean i would say that we're open for it is this is this the off season to do that and are you do you feel that the capitals are done with evgeny kuznetsov um i think that they are leaning towards being done with evgeny kuznetsov i'm certainly done with evgeny kuznetsov i think they are done with the bullshit of, I mean, clearly he's not following COVID protocols. That much is obvious. Yeah. Uh, I think that alone is a big part of it. His uh, level of play has degraded substantially since that 2018 cup run. And this goes back weeks and weeks. I think it was Nick. You asked me if I had to trade any player for my team right now, who would it be? I said, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Part of it is the discipline, part of it's the play degradation, and a big part of it's his contract, especially when you're trying to re-sign Ovechkin this offseason, which I don't think they're going to have an issue doing. I think he will be able to stay, and I think they want him to stay, obviously. But uh, get rid of him and clear up some of that space. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the signing of Ovechkin because he did come out and say, you know, obviously I, I... Would like to play my whole career here. This is where I started my career. This is where I want to end it. Um, I'm confident that we can get something done. So, what his number will be, I have no idea. I mean, obviously, he's still a dynamic goal scorer, and I think too, he wants to get as close to, if not break, that Wayne Gretzky record. So, I think we've t- we talked about it back in, you know, I think it was April or, or March when he scored his whatever goal it was uh, of his career and. I think we said on average he'd have to average like about just around 40 goals a year for the next four seasons just to get to Gretzky's record. So but that's a story for another day. I mean, either way, like I like I said, to wrap up the series, I just expected a, a harder-fought battle, but I think I also overlooked what the Bruins are capable of too. So... Let's move on to the series that led into what is going to be our second round matchup, and that's the Penguins and the Islanders. Um, Penguins-Islanders, which I thought was going to be not not one of the best series, but I just thought it was going to be a back-and-forth back battle. Uh, Tristan, Jari, Tristan Jari really just dropped the ball for, um, for the Pittsburgh for Penguins. Five. Well, yeah, definitely for Game Five, but just overall, just overall, just very like not not very good at all, and the lack of production from the Penguins' top line really bit them in the ass too. Crosby only had one goal, Gens only had one goal, uh, and I I think it was Rust had two goals to lead to lead the way there. Um, I thought Latang looked pretty good, but overall, just not good enough, and the Islanders grabbed a stranglehold on the Penguins and they never let go. And I think, you know, that's going to lead to a hell of a second, a second round playoff between the Bruins and the Islanders. But just, just to start, where, where did you guys see um, this Penguins and Islanders series going? And did you expect it to end this way? Well, I, a, I definitely expected Pittsburgh to win. Cause I picked them. I think I picked them in six games. Um, but before I get into really what I saw, I mean, something that I did see is uh, the end of that game last night when Pittsburgh had the net empty and the Islanders just could not score. Um, I found a comment on Reddit and I was curious about this. So I'm glad that I found the comment on Reddit and I went to confirm the statistics later on. They are true. Uh, Pittsburgh's empty net had a 0.41 goal saved above expected. 
And Tristan Jari had a minus 3.42 goal saved above expected. (laughs) So Penguins empty net, statistically way better than Tristan Jari. Oh my God, I can't believe that. (laughs) That is a great nugget right there. Oh, it certainly is. And I did confirm that those those stats are accurate, but just the series as a whole... um, I listen. I said that if the Bruins had to play anybody, I would have preferred them play Pittsburgh, and I'm certainly going to stick by that. I've always been more scared of this Islanders team, and I regret not picking them to beat Pittsburgh. I feel like I was being naive when I picked Pittsburgh, just looking at their playoff history and some of the names on their roster. So and I'll Barry take- Trotz too. Well, listen. Barry, my guy. I love Barry Trotz. Listen, I listened to Barry Trotz on Hockey Central today. He was on for a good 15, 20 minutes. Brilliant. He's just a brilliant human being. I love that guy. Uh, Easily my favorite coach of all time. And he's one of the big things that scares me for the Bruins, personally. He's just one of the great coaches probably ever. He's third all time in wins. So the, the stats speak for themselves. I could go on and on about how much I love my boy, Barry. But, yeah. Sonny, what did you make of uh, the Islanders and that blunder of of a game five in overtime when Tristan Jari just passed the puck right to Josh Bailey? I, I was just, oh my god, I didn't, I I had no words. I was just like, oh, what? I don't know. This whole series has been like, like I think like the I think I said Penguins was gonna. I think we all were in agreement with that with the Penguins sweeping them, but. I was actually just shocked. I did like the whole back and forth. There were some times where I was going for the Penguins and then back to the Islanders. I'm actually happy that the Islanders won and that we're going against them. Yes, I'm scared because Islanders are a very strong team. And I think that it's going to be a great matchup for us. So I get why you're scared, Cam. Um, But I kind of wanted like the Penguins to go against the Bruins too, just because eh, they're the Penguins. But no, I thought the whole series was just, it was great. I really enjoyed watching it, especially all the, like the OT game and game five. And then um, uh, last night's game was insane too, so. My God, the Coliseum, I thought the roof was going to fucking cave in. I that know. place was so loud. So packed. Oh, it was so awesome. Um, before, and Sonic was just, I want to do this now because Sonic just mentioned how, like, matched up the Bruins are with the Islanders in certain respects uh power play percentage Boston had 16% on the power play against the Islanders Islanders had 15% against Boston penalty kill 85% Boston New York Islanders 84% goals scored for Boston against the Islanders 18 New York scored 20 against Boston throughout the course of the regular season and they were pretty much split down the middle in games as well I mean Islanders were 5-2-1 and one but the Bruins still got points in two of those losses. I mean, it's it's close, and there's a lot of things to be scared of with this Islanders team. They're so incredibly sound defensively and structured. Structured is the word that I think is best used to describe that team. And, and Nick, I'm interested to hear what you have to say because, I mean, I know how closely you follow this Bruins team and also. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's going to be a hell of a series. I think... It's also going to be not as pretty of a series as it would have been against Pittsburgh. I think against Pittsburgh, you would have seen probably some cleaner hockey, more entertaining hockey, uh, more free will, I guess I guess you could say, as both teams probably would have let each other trade chance for chance as opposed to, you know, 
uh, like you said, Cam, structure, structure, structure. Like, New York plays a structured defensive style. But I think they also kind of got away from that against Pittsburgh. I think they were like, you know what? Pittsburgh, uh, they're not playing at their height right now. Malkin's back from an injury. He's not the same person. You know, we're shutting down Crosby. We're shutting down that top line. We can expose Latang. So why don't we just go out and let's just put the puck on that. Jari sucks. He can't stop a glove, a glove side shot anyway. And I think that's why they ended up winning that series was because they took advantage of poor defense and even more poor goaltending. Um, what I see going into the series between the Bruins and the Islanders is it's going to be more of a dogfight. And I think you're going to see a lot of probably more one goal games again. You're probably going to see a couple overtimes. You're probably going to see two, one, three, two. It, it might be boring hockey at times, but these two teams might also absolutely murder each other too, because every single puck possession is going to be important. I think for both teams. And I think to Barry trots coaches very well against the Bruins because he knows that the Bruins like to play in that layered structure. Um, Defensively, they like to play in layers, as we learned against the Capitals. The Capitals like to play man-on-man, where the Bruins play, you know, layers, more of a zone. And I think offensively, um, for for the Islanders, Matt Barzal owns that ass, and he <laughs> loves to shove it up Don Sweeney's hoop, the fact that he didn't draft him and instead took Jacob Zaborl, Jake DeBrusque, and Zach Seneshin instead of Matt Barzal. So... And that Beauvillier kid, Anthony Beauvillier, is is all-time ta- all time talent. And and don't sleep on Josh Bailey either. He's a great oh. player. And their defensemen between, um, you know, Nick Letty and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank on a couple of their other defensemen, but I just know that they're very solid on that back end. And I think the one advantage Boston might have here, again, is goaltending because as good as Sorokin looked... Uh, I think he I think he won all four games for for the Islanders. He also got exposed and against against Pittsburgh the last game. I mean it was a 5-3 game. And yeah, Sorokin played good and he played great in overtime and everything, but really Jari was the one that that gave it away. So, if you can take advantage of having better goaltending and if somehow you can force Sorokin to come out of the net and and Varlamov comes in, who Varlamov has played very good against the Bruins too. But I just think that the Bruins are just, you know, I, of course I'm going to contradict myself here by because I picked the Capitals, but I just think that the Bruins are just playing at a different level right now. When the fact that they have two lines really going, their power play sucked against the Capitals in the first three games, but now it's now it's kind of picking up again. Their PK has been great. And Tuka Rest has been really good too. So I think it's going to be a battle. I, I'm not ready to pre- – I mean, we probably should predict it just oh, because we, will we won't be. talk to you guys until next week. What's that? Oh, we will be. We will be. Okay. <laughs> um, but Let's hope Tuka can, you know, do what he's been doing so far throughout this whole series for the next yeah, round. Yeah, I, I think if you're, if you're the Bruins, you need to force the – you need to force the Islanders to take penalties. You need – and also, Nick Ritchie, can you just let Taylor Hall get to the bench before you hop on the ice and get another fucking uh, too many, many men, men on, on the ice? ice? Oh, my God, does that drive me nuts. Like, I, I, you know what? I should go up to New Hampshire and, and lay a bet for over-under. Like, I wonder what the over-under for penalties are 
for the Bruins for this series because I bet you it's like 20-something. I bet you they go over because they are just way too undisciplined, especially against Washington, but probably yeah. even more against this Islanders team. Yeah. But you got to find you got to find a way to contain the puck more, possess the puck more, and be in the Islanders' zone. And, and I think, you know, just listening to the building at the Coliseum last night in, on Long Island in Uniondale – and the Bruins having a full house on Saturday, you got to take advantage of that. You can't, you can't no. let the Islanders walk in and go up 2-0 or 2 nothing on you early in game one, and then, and then it's a fucking shit show. Because then you're going to have people calling for Rass Head and, you know, saying that, you know, so-and-so sucks and Taylor Hall can't do anything and blah, blah. And it's like, you know, let your top line take, take control offensively let Krejci try and chip in here and there, take advantage of some of the, the third and fourth line matchups that the Islanders bring bring you. And uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a dogfight. I really do. Okay. So, ready, how think? many games, buddy? I'm ready. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think this series is going to be very intense, very like edge of my seat kind of um, round two. And I'm, I'm, ex- I'm very excited for it. I can't wait. Cam, I have I have the Bruins in seven. I think home ice advantage is going to be huge in this series. Yeah, we have to give predictions already. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, <laughs> Talking about um, the series, so. I don't know. Cam, you go first. Go ahead, go after Nick. Um, I I personally I really like the Islander style of play. A lot of people really don't like it. A lot of people think it's boring hockey. Maybe it's the soccer fan in me who loves the structure and the pace that they play at. Um, in trots, we trust Islanders in seven. Come on, Sonic. I know. I really want to root for the Bruins, but eesh, I think Islanders in six. Oof. Yeah, that's I tough. Know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I wanted to give a weaselly answer, I would say it's game seven and a coin flip. I believe is how Jim Murray put it on the sports hub today, and I couldn't have agreed with him more. But yeah, I got to go with Islanders in seven personally. I love their structured I just, style of play. I just I think. I just think. I think the Bruins have they have too much experience to let this go and I think that they're just they're hot at the right time. They just rattled off four consecutive games. My my biggest worry going into game 1 is having all this time off. Yeah. Their last exactly. game was Sunday, right? Sunday was yep. was when they closed it yep. out against the Capitals and they don't play until Saturday. It's 6 days and you can't replicate you can't replicate game speed in a practice. I don't care how hard your practices are. Yeah, Only Islanders thing, just got off the ice yesterday. Yeah. Only good thing for for the for Bruins is is Jeremy Lausanne is back from is not in a non-contact sweater for for practice, so that's good. He should be back in the lineup. Even though I think Clifton played pretty good. Um, Cam, one thing I forgot to ask you about was a Orlov hit on uh, Kevin Miller and how you felt about that because I told you I told you going into this series that Kevin Miller would not make it out of the series, let alone the playoffs. You sure right. shit. Sure <laughs> shit. I was right. Not to toot my own horn or anything. And not that I want to see anybody deal with a head injury or any injury at all. But it was a it was a tough look. I mean, Orlov left his feet. He left his feet, absolutely. Um, I don't think I personally don't think that there was intent to injure or anything like that. I think that you know how in baseball someone will throw the ball and it's just kind of in that perfect place where it's, you can't go up here. You can't go underhand to catch it. It's a tweener. It's right in the middle. It's an awkward catch. I think it was kind of like that. Orlov kind of got caught in a place he didn't expect to be in. 
And he said, fuck it. I'm going to throw the body. I'm just going to throw as much weight as I'm at, at him as I can. Not saying that's okay, not justifying it. It wasn't a good hit. It's not a good look, like you said. Uh, I don't think that there was malicious intent behind it, though. I think it was just kind of a freak play. Uh, and I hope Kevin Miller's okay, you know, in the long term. But, yeah, that, that's really all I have to say about it. I, no, no controversial screaming rants from me this time. Forgot I I was gonna bring it up earlier when we were talking about the Caps Bruins series, but I forgot about it and then we moved on. So don't worry, I, I forgot that the hit even happened, so don't even worry about okay. it. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but I just want to like, cause before we get too far away from the series, I know we got to move on. We have a couple other things before we want to uh, get to pucking around, uh, which I just realized I don't know if we even have a question right now, but. Um, a lot of people, it seems like in the Boston area are really overlooking. It's hard to believe overlooking some of the, the, the ability of this Islanders team, just in the namesake of some of these players. I mean, I don't know how much of the radio you guys have been listening to lately or how much you've been reading with, with Boston fans and what they're saying, but people are really saying that this Islanders team isn't that good. I mean, obviously Matthew Barzal. I think Vegas has Boston favored at like plus two forty. I believe that's oh, really? around the number, yeah. And and that's I don't, like very high. It is, yeah. and I don't put any stock in Vegas. Or minus two minus two forty. Minus two forty. Yeah. They're they're favored big time. I don't ah, fuck off. Did I did Toronto just tie the game? Fucking is that Galchenyuk again? <laughs> That Alex Galchenyuk. Oh, no, it was, Muzzin. it was Muzzin. It was okay. Muzzin. Okay. But, but yeah, no, Kim, I think you're totally right. You can't overlook this Islanders team, especially with who their coach is. Yeah. The, the coach who we've talked about a bunch, obviously Matt Barzal, Jordan Everly, I feel like people forget about with this team for some reason. Maybe it's because of Matthew Barzal. Leo Komarov has been pretty good playing on that top line. Anthony you don't have any Huh? Clutterbuck. Clutterbuck. That, yeah, the whole can fourth you, line. Sezikis, Martin, Clutterbuck is one of the best fourth lines in hockey. Can you run through their defensemen? I'm, I, there's one that's like so... Oh, Mayfield? Mayfield oh. is a... Scott, Real, Scott Mayfield? Yeah, making a name for himself. Kid is a stud. Yeah. Very good. Very and, good all-around player. Yeah, obviously Nick Letty, who we mentioned, Scott Mayfield, who he's paired with, and then Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak is, I would say, aside from Charlie McAvoy, those are the two best defensemen in the series. It's one of the best defensive pairings in hockey right now. Absolutely, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And you know what? Those those two guys are big, too. Yeah, they they're are. Big bo- <laughs> they're big boys. And if they're matched up against McAvoy and Grizzly, if somehow the, if, if the two of them were to go add each other and meet at center ice and hit each other. McAvoy and Grizzly are getting sent. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Pe- uh, uh, too. uh, Pelic's really good. They have a really good team. Jeez. They do. They, they have a lot of depth, a yeah. lot of depth. I, but like I said, at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to the goaltending. I think, I just think, I don't think this is, this is like a Jordan Bennington thing all over again. I just don't believe it. Like I, I like, like that's what big Jim Murray was saying after like, after Sorokin won uh, the overtime game it was like, Oh, oh, he played like really good. And like, yeah, no, he, and Jim, you're right. He, he did. He played great. Uh, please come join us. Come, come on our show, please. We'd love to have you anytime. <laughs> um, but I just don't, I, I'm not buying into the Sorokin thing yet. I, I need to see it. 
for full 60 minutes and Farlamov on the other hand he's a he's a great established veteran but I think that guy can be exposed and there's a reason why Sorokin's playing over him so he was injured he was he was yeah yeah and then Sorokin came in and won three straight or yeah won three straight four straight now and the rest is history so all right, yeah, let's move on quickly. Let's touch on this other Canadian division series that's going on, Montreal and Toronto. We we have to talk about the John Tavares, which I say, the the John Tavares injury, which I say is a complete accidental, poor timing, you know, wrong spot, wrong place, wrong time. Uh, Tavares gets hit by, might have been Muzzin or something, I don't know. As he falls down, he's going to get back up, and as he's about to get back up, Corey Perry, who obviously didn't see Tavares down, skates right into the back of Tavares' head, drills him with his knee. Tavares, you know, clearly gets knocked out, tries to get up. It was a, it's a tough scene, the tough scene to watch. Uh, tries to get up. The trainers come out, basically try and help him up, which I don't understand why they ever did, and basically. He just goes dead weight on his knees and falls backwards. And they're saying that Tavares is now dealing with not only the concussion, but a knee injury as well. And it's just, it's, it's very tough to see. And it's, it's scary to see too. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm the biggest John Tavares fan either, but you know, just to, just to watch it. And you, you see all the, the GMs and the players up top. I mean, Austin Matthews looked like he was crying on the bench when this happened. It, it's, what did you guys make of it? I didn't think it was Corey. Oh, okay, so he gets hit by Ben Sherratt. You know, just a simple, it's a simple hit. Knocks him off the puck, and then Perry's knee just comes right in. And I don't even think anybody knew that it happened. It happened so fast. No. Oh. So fast. I didn't I oh. didn't think it was anyone's. It's so, it's so hard to watch. Like, I don't even want to watch it right now because I was cringing when it happened. But I don't think it was Corey Perry's fault at all. I think, like you said, Nick, it was just a complete accident. But it's very both, gruesome. Both both benches are just fucking shook from it. And, and so. I don't think that any. I here's the thing, and I want to ask you guys this question: Would anybody th- even consider that it's intentional if a it's not Corey Perry who ends up hitting him, and b if it's not Toronto versus Montreal? Like it's so clearly incidental. It's yeah. I just I don't get it. I don't know if I read or listened to anything, you know, out of the Toronto side, other than what the Toronto Sun posted. I think it was a picture of Tavares down and said Captain Crunched. Uh, And I guess in the Leafs, Kyle Dubas was not happy with the headline or anything like that. But I didn't see anybody come out and say that Perry didn't intentionally. I think Perry came out and said, said himself he didn't. But I think the reason why him and Felino fought was because Felino was like, hey, we just witnessed this horrible thing happened, and I need to wake my team up. You were the one that hit him. Granted, we know it wasn't on purpose, but we just got to make this thing happen, and and they went at it. So um, currently right now, as we're sitting here, 9.26 Eastern time, Toronto just tied it up uh, in the third period. Jake Muzzin had tied up 3-3, so... Montreal is on elimination watch as we speak. Uh, I'm sure the game will be over by the time we wrap up recording here, but let's um, quickly move on, guys. Are you surprised by this at all? I mean, I wanted Montreal to win. I, 
but Toronto just has too much skill, way too much depth, and Montreal's just not as strong of a team. Yeah, and yeah. I, do, I also think that Montreal is just, they don't have an answer for it. They don't have an answer for Toronto's just general skill and ability, and it, it does kind of look like you watch their body language a little bit. They're just, it reminds me of McDavid against Edmonton. It's just like, or against Winnipeg. It's like, we just don't have an answer. They're just too good. I hate to break it down to something so rudimentary, but that's how I feel. I do want to throw it out there today. I did hear on Hockey Central that Tavares was on skates today. I do want to throw that out there. Yeah, he skated on his own today at practice. At least that's a good sign, though. Yeah. All right, let's get to Ethan's team, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They probably could have ended this game in five, but didn't because the Panthers rallied behind their rookie goaltender and Spencer Knight and won in overtime to... to force uh, a game six, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, Panthers had a great regular season, but it just goes to show the playoffs are a whole different animal. And don't get me wrong. They were ready to play and the battle of Florida was great. The, those first couple of games, these two teams were killing each other left and right. But at the end of the day, just Tampa Bay has way too much skill. Um, way too many good players on that back end with, with a lot of experience between Hedman and, and uh, McDonough and Coburn and Sergachev now, who you forget has been in the league, I think for like almost five, six years now. Um, just a, just a lot of depth, you know, for forwards defense. And obviously Vasilevsky is still a great goaltender. He, he, he got exposed a little bit in the, in the, the first couple of games, but it seemed like he just became more a little compact and just not flopping his six foot four body around the net. Uh, a bunch of times obviously we wish Ethan was here to really break it down for us but you know props to the to the Lightning who are the defending cup champs and they look to march right on into I guess what would be the conference final but who knows who the hell they would even play um I mean I I agree I I wanted Florida Panthers I think we all kind of were rooting for them besides Ethan um but like you said Nick Lightning just too skilled. They dominated. Their goaltenders are better. And yeah, they just swept. They should have swept in five for sure. Swept in five, eh? Ooh, that's a new one. Swept in five. <laughs> you mean four? <laughs> four. Whatever. <laughs> um, I want I've been kicking myself over this one since we recorded last week. Um, I somehow I went wanted to go out of my way to talk about this one individual player in this series last week and somehow didn't and had been kicking myself for the last eight days. Jonathan Huberdo, I have been so incredibly happy for that guy throughout this, unfortunately for him, brief playoff run. This is a guy who back in like 2014, I was watching going, this kid is going to be great. He's going to light up the league. And unfortunately, I kind of blame it a little bit on the market that he's playing in. That didn't really happen until this year that he's finally getting the attention that he deserves. And if you look at his statistics, they're there the last few years. He's always been great. Don't let these NBC broadcasts fool you. The kid's always been great. He didn't just come out of nowhere. I, I, I want to make that abundantly clear. I've always loved that guy. And I've been, and I was so happy for him in this series, especially the way he played the, the kid, put it all out there. 100% Kim, you fucking nailed it, dude. Jonathan Huberto is one of the, him and Barkov are probably the two most underappreciated actual stars in the NHL that aren't considered stars, which they, even though they should be. They're so skilled. 
The chemistry between those two are off the charts. And Huberto finally decided to start shooting the puck this year, which helped him out, obviously. You know, he's not only is he an unreal, unreal hands, great passer, but he can shoot the puck too. And he showed that. And it just thinks that the, this Florida team, like Sergei Bobrovsky making fucking nine or $10 million a year, getting benched for rookie Spencer Knight, who I, I wrote in the, in the show notes, like, should he have started the whole series? I think he should have. Maybe give Bob one game, but uh, the the goaltending situation. What do you a, have to lose? You have nothing to lose. You're the Florida Panthers. That's true. I I, I don't have a a really solid answer for that. I mean, the whole goaltending. Yeah, you Cam. You know, I'm just saying. No, no I, I I understand it. It. I don't know. It just looks like you're looking right into my eyes as you say it, Nick. It, that's. I can't tell because of these webcam shows that we're doing. It's on you, Cam. <laughs> mm, um, I, I this the whole goaltending situation for Florida. I just was questioning the entire series. They took Bobo out after one game. I was kind of like, that feels panicky. Oh boy! And then I Drieger was okay, and then they pull him in the before the third period of Game Three. So we're back to Bobo, and then we're going to Spencer Knight. It's like. And I, I don't want to put it on Joel Quenville because I don't think that it's necessarily on him, but it's just, it felt really like panicky. Like what the fuck do we do when, when I think the solution could have just been with just try to stick with one guy and let him settle in. One of my biggest pet peeves when I was coaching the one year that I was able to coach want to get back to that so bad, especially after listening to my boy Barry today. Ugh, sorry. I digress. One of the, my biggest pet peeves is one of the guys I coached with, would constantly change the lines during games. And we'd go down early in a game, like five minutes into a game, and he'd change half the lineup. And I would say to him, like, like you got to let the guy settle in. You know, just because cu- we have a couple bad shifts to start the game doesn't mean we have to completely uh, tear the building down and start over. And, and to establish chemistry. Exactly. And especially yeah. when the lines were changing every single game, it was just you were, you were, we were setting ourselves up for failure with that. And I feel like the Florida Panthers were kind of in that same situation with the goaltending situation in this series. It was awful. Yeah. Yeah, tough look. And I, I just think that Joel Quenville probably got to the point where he's like, fucking, fucking A, we've been exposed. And, you know, we had a great regular season, but in a much different division and... You know that we just don't have a we don't have enough talent to match what they had. Yeah. Um, so let, let's just do this quick in passing. Uh, the Avalanche took just swept the fucking St. Louis Blues right under the rug. How does that taste, Tory Krug? Um, just kidding. How does it taste, Ryan <laughs> O'Reilly? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly, who came out and said, "Oh, we'll win. We, we'll win the series." Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, fucking donkey. <laughs> um, and then uh. Before we before we move on to pucking around really quick, uh, we have our first game seven of the playoffs tomorrow night, uh, Vegas Minnesota. It's been a hell of a series, probably the most underrated series thus far. If you haven't been watching, I highly suggest watch game seven because I guarantee you it's going to be tight and it's probably going to end like three two two one four three five four something like that. Who do you guys have in game seven? I got to go with, I have to go with Minnesota at this point. I just have to, I got to, like I said, I have to to ride the wave as hard as I can. Yeah. You have to ride that wave cam. With cam. I really want to see Minnesota just sweep Vegas, but 
Sweep. I, I sweep, sweep. Um, <laughs> no, I want this to advance, but I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening. I think it's gonna be Vegas. I got, I got Vegas. I, uh, I give all the credit in the world to Minnesota. Marcus, that second line, Marcus Foligno, Jonathan Erickson Eck, and uh, Jordan Greenway have been unreal. Zach Parise finally gets in the lineup. You see him score a goal the other night. Great for him. Uh, Kaprizov's looked unreal. They're Matt Dumba getting the fans all riled up in a fight last night. You know, they've looked great. I just, I can't buy into Cam Talbot. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I just Talbot think that, that dude, that dude, that dude is... <laughs> been exposed too many times and i think vegas is too good to lose that home yeah so i got vegas got vegas probably i hope it goes overtime but realistically i think it's going to be like a 5-2 vegas one fingers well, crossed though for minnesota yeah I'm, hey I'm i mean I'd, my fingers crossed for sure i'd, I'd love to see minnesota advance give me all the underdogs like you said kim yeah, yeah i always i love i root for chaos most of the time when i don't have any stakes yes. Way to do it. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's throw it over to pucking around as call as a uh, Toronto and Montreal head into overtime in Game Five. Quit pucking around. Oh, fuck you. No, hey, fuck you. Fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Guys, stop pucking around. Everybody's favorite segment in the whole entire world. Not even just a country. Not even just a. Not even just North America. It's a whole wide world. This is everybody's favorite. Uh, segment. So let's get right to it, shall we? Cam, do you have a question? Because if not, I do. Uh, well, Nick, Nick has a question. Yeah, I was going to say, we might as well just give it to you. This is a historic moment. Why would we take the spotlight oh, away off. from that? Fuck off. An original <laughs> question? Fuck or is off. What? question, or is this yes, the, it, uh, yes, it's, it's my question. I did not ask Allie for any help this week. <laughs> or, or, no. Two weeks yeah. with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so given the fact this this year's playoffs are so totally wide open, and I think the way it's gonna go is the Canadian division is gonna play west and the east is gonna play south. But take that all away, right? What would be your ideal Stanley Cup final for this year? And I have mine. So if you want me to go, I'll go just go to explain it. it. So I would say, give me Toronto and Boston in the cup finals. Because yes. think about how unreal that would be. Like, I think I think they said tonight during uh, the second intermission, like right before they came back, they were showing like old footage of like the last time the the Leafs made it to the finals and stuff. It was like in the, I think it's been like 24, 25 years, something. I don't, I don't even know. Probably longer, whatever. But just imagine that history going back to, we all know what happened when, when Bergeron scored and in that overtime game and the epic comeback. And then, you know, a few years ago when they win that game seven, when Bruins win that game seven at home, Oh my God, would I like, I don't even know how confident I would be going into it as a Bruins fan because it would it would probably be just such a toss-up because <laughs> Toronto's just got so much skill. But, oh, would that be unreal? To, to, oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I skipped the part what NBC said. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure they said, uh, or whoever it was talking. Oh yeah, this is a team that would probably have a parade if they won, if they got through the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so, but give me Toronto and Boston in a cup final. Oh my God, would that be glorious? I I would like to see Colorado Avalanche and Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. I think that would a be good a good one. good matchup. Can you elaborate on that, Ethan? Ethan. Well, <laughs> no, it just uh obviously from Tampa Bay winning last last season, but Colorado is just like on fire right now. So I think their matchup with this with last year's winners, I think it would be a really cool concept to just have them together. Either them or Vegas, but I'm I I'd rather see a Colorado. Oh boy, there are so many answers that I want to give, all for entirely different reasons. But I would love to see my Minnesota Wild in the Stanley Cup final against, let's go with, let's just say the Nashville Predators for what would be the least marketable series in the history of the National Hockey League. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that because Minnesota is crazy for hockey. Minnesota is crazy for hockey, but like to a casual hockey fan who's like only going to watch yeah, the big oh, games, yeah, yeah, yeah. like who actually is going to look at the oh, Minnesota Wild, Nashville Predators? Like what? No, it's just it, horribly uninteresting to the casual fans, most likely. Uh, which would just cap off the perfectly brutal era, uh, COVID era of hockey. And I would really be able to rub it in that Minnesota was just completely out of quote unquote, out of nowhere this year uh, as my surprise team of the year. Like I said, I have to ride the wave until it's over. <laughs> also, we, f- we totally forgot to go over the, uh, the Carolina hurricanes and the Nashville predators series. Uh, that's game six is tonight. Is that it's probably getting underway very soon. Um, Carolina, Rod Brindamore, I think, came out and was complaining about how many penalties the Hurricanes were getting assessed, as opposed to the as opposed to the Predators. John Hines kind of like called him out for it, so that's interesting right there. Um, Carolina is in Nashville tonight. Nashville's trying to force a Game Seven. I did not expect this at all. I thought Carolina was gonna handle Nashville pretty well. Do you guys have this going to a game seven next week? Are we going to be talking about another game seven winner slash loser or, or does Carolina wrap this thing up tonight? Hoping Carolina wraps it up tonight. That's just my prediction. Um, the last few years of playoff history would show that Nashville is one of the hardest buildings to win in, in the playoffs. And that team has got heart to it. You got to give them that the way they turn their season around They've had their backs against the wall before, and I say that we go back to Carolina for Game 7. I don't know who wins it. I'm not going to make that prediction, uh, unless you guys want me to. Yep, I do. Okay, I'll say Nashville, just to spite Carolina. Go fuck yourselves, Carolina. I'm on Carolina. So. As much as I, I... I don't know why I shit on Carolina. because well, like, you, really... you had to choose Nashville so you could get Nashville and Minnesota. That's right. <laughs> I just got to keep the continuity. That's right, Nick. You're bailing me out. Um, I don't know why I shit on Carolina so much because I really do love watching that team play. I love Rod Brindamore as a coach. I think he deserves every penny that he asks for. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got to say we have a bang out 
That dude can probably bang out like 200 push-ups on one hand, like no problem. That's that not where I thought a, that sentence was going to go. Oh, well, that dude's yeah. a monster. Imagine like pissing, imagine pissing him off and him like bag skating you. I just, I'm afraid of the pissing him off to begin with. I mean, the bag skating is one thing, but. I feel like he would just make you go until you are throwing up out of your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that that's wraps up uh, everybody's favorite segment, Pucking Around. I hope my question was all right. Probably not that great, but hey, whatever. Oh, I'll, try and think, I'll try and think of a non-hockey-related question as we get into the sum. Oh, okay. Wait. Hold on. Let's, let's do this real, real quick. Okay. The summer right around the corner, Memorial Day. Usually everybody's cooking out, everything like that. Sonic, I know you are a vegetarian, but give me your guys' go-to barbecue plate. What does it look like? What's on it? Uh, do you like want my outdoor bar outdoor barbecue? You know, somebody's on the grill. Somebody's got the the sides, the salads, the pasta, like whatever. What is what is like your perfect Memorial Day weekend dinner plate look like? Well, cookout plate. Look like? Uh, I if I am not it, uh, okay, <laughs> try that again. <laughs> that was brutal, boy. Do I want to crawl into a ditch on the side of the road right now? That was insanely awful. I will never live that one down in my own head. Everybody else will forget about that by next week. That will keep me up for the next seventeen nights in a row. <laughs> and Nick continuing to laugh at this only makes it worse. What I was going to say last time I checked, I am a generic white guy. So my plate's not going to be very exciting. Um, okay. <laughs> Never mind. What, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? Nick? Nothing, nothing, nothing. He's trying, to, he's trying to hide off camera as if I'm not going to ever let this go. All right. Off mic. Or I'm going to hear it though. Um, I mean, it's, I'm so boring. I mean, I'll eat pretty much any meat that's laying around giggity, but I mean, my go-to is going to be like burgers and dogs and whatever the hell chips are around and then Coke and soda and whatever. Like I'm so freaking boring. Cam, we don't need to talk about that problem that you have with Coke. <laughs> But I want to be transparent with the audience. My nose bleeds eight times a day. I'm lucky that we're not on camera right now, Nick. My lungs are on fire as we speak. Oh, I man. need help. Um, okay, if I was not a vegetarian. <laughs> this is so far gone. I would Talking probably to be transparent with the audience. <laughs> This is oh. why we only went to one question. <laughs> you preface oh, this with let's do it quickly. <laughs> it's not quick at all. <laughs> Never is. All because I can't speak the English language. That's how we got here. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, go ahead, Sonic. Sorry. Okay, so if I wasn't a vegetarian, I think it would be steak tips, Oof. rice. Oof. Uh, chips and guac and an alcoholic beverage. Nice. Damn, that's a good plate. <laughs> Love steak tips and rice. That's like my go. Like, if I could eat that every day, all set. Yeah. 
All right, so because I'm a fucking fat ass, I'm gonna get a lot. Like I'm, I'm fucking topping my. Like I'm gonna go after my first plate. Like I can't get seconds. Oh jeez, I can so, just picture it. <laughs> so I'm gonna have a cheeseburger. I'm gonna have a hot dog. I'm gonna have some steak tips. I'm gonna have some grilled barbecue chicken wings or whatever chicken wings, as long as they're not buffalo. I'm gonna have a little bit of mac salad. I'm starting to like macaroni salad, like pasta salad now. Like cold pasta always kind of freaked me out, but now I like I'm starting to get used to it because I love pasta. Uh, corn on the cob. A fresh oh. piece, a fresh piece of cornbread, if it's there. This plate is fucking massive. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's got one of those fold-out tables. He's just walking around. Yeah. With a, and the whole table's some, his. <laughs> and some nacho cheese Doritos to go along with an ice cold beer. So pretty much you're gonna be shitting the entire day. <laughs> nope. I'm just gonna get my stomach is gonna get as swollen as can be, and I'm gonna go jump in the pool. Perfect. <laughs> I gotta say, I cannot believe I didn't think of corn on the cob. I know. Ugh. I've I mastered eating at it the cookout. long way. Yeah, you got it. And watermelon. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> See, I'm not a big watermelon fan. Neither am oh, I. I love it. Like, if you want to give me, like, some cantaloupe, love cantaloupe, pineapple, strawberries, but watermelon is just, like, bleh. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. If maybe if we could eat like the like the green part, like that's probably like the best part, and we I don't think that's good for us. That's edible, but it's probably not like great for us. Uh, Imagine having to shit that out. That hurt. wouldn't be fun. <laughs> It'd probably hurt. Yeah. Anyway, I shit bricks um, of cocaine out, Nick. What are you trying to say? <laughs> if I can do it, you can handle that green shit. <laughs> Nick. We make Nick laugh so much more than the audience hears, and I wish that we could hear it more, honestly. Hey, we just found our title for this episode. No, so. no we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. Try again. All right, well, let's just wrap this shit up right now before overtime starts so we can all watch and keep you guys updated. Everybody have a great and a safe Memorial Day weekend this weekend. Enjoy it, even though the weather up here in the Northeast is going to be kind of shitty. Thank you for listening. Like us, subscribe to us. Leave us a review. Let us know what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Tell me to shut up. Tell Cam to talk more. Tell Sonic to get more in-depth. Tell Ethan to fucking join the show every now and then, huh? Oop. And we will talk to you guys next week. Everybody enjoy the playoffs. Peace.